0: Come on to give the Lord a clap of praise. Yeah. Yeah. I, I start off uh, every morning in devotion, um, sitting um, for as long as I possibly can, first and foremost, before even saying a word to God, just in silence. And um, if the weather permits, if it's, if it's not as hot as it's been, I'll sit on my patio. And let nature speak to me. For God, God created the world. And uh, I, I'm, Bishop, I'm getting older, and um, yes, sir. And there are some things that I appreciate. So I've learned to appreciate the beauty of God in nature, yes, and it, small things are are, are are wonderful to me. So um, I have hummingbirds in my area. And, uh, and, and I went and bought a hummingbird feeder, put a little of the red nectar in there, and I'll sit on my back patio, James, under my pergola, and, uh, and I hung the feeder right on the edge of the pergola just so I could see the hummingbirds. I take pictures of them, and, uh, and I get excited uh, because when you see something so beautiful, it's kind of like, man, there's God. One of my favorite artists, Indy uh, she talks about how the first time that she went to St. Lucia and saw the clear blue ocean, and she saw the expanse of it, and she simply said, that's how I know that God is real. <laughs> Sometimes, man, when it's really dark and I sit on my patio, and i look up, man, and i see the stars, and I say, man, that's how I know. That God is real at my house right now, my wife won 't be here today because uh, we 've had my grandson for the weekend, and he has whooped us. <laughs> we, we are We are probably going to retire as grandparents after this weekend. but when I saw that baby boy sleeping, i said man that 's how I know that God is real and well I mean, we can talk about the The big things that we often look for, but sometimes, man, you look through a miracle trying to find something abnormal. When God is revealing himself to us daily, that's how I know that God is real. Amen? Amen, amen. Well, my brothers and sisters, there is a word from the Lord today. As we continue in our series, a new normal, new normal. And for the time that is ours today, I'd like to share with you from the subject, see your way through. See your way through. And so we're going to be, again, in the book of Haggai, the prophet Haggai, again. Uh, this time we're in chapter 2, and we're going to read the first nine verses. Haggai chapter 2, beginning at verse 1 reading from the New International Version this is what you'll find it'll be available for you on at least a couple of the screens today and of course if you're watching virtually it'll be available for you there give you a second to flip those pages, launch those Bible apps Haggai chapter 2 beginning at verse 1 hey Mitch Thank you, sir. Haggai chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, and this is what you'll find. On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Jezadat, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory. How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Jozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. And work. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says, in a little while I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and dry land. I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. Yes. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Let me read verse 4 for you once more, just because I love it. But now be strong, yes, Zerubbabel declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Jozadak, the high priest. Be strong, New Horizon. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord and work. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. Yeah, man, do me a favor. If you wouldn't mind, we can't touch right now, but just look at somebody and say, see your way through. See your way way through. I once heard a story on NPR a little while ago about a a deep sea diver who had it in mind to accomplished this great feat, this tremendous dive that no one has ever attempted to do by himself. It was to dive in this huge lake and to find his way to these, these hidden underwater caves. He prepared for almost a year for this dive to do it by himself. He, he woke up on the day of the dive, gathered all of his things, including his air, plus the secondary air that he would get once he made it to the cave so that he can make his return back. The morning of, he's prepared. He's prepared for a whole year, done everything that he needs to do to make it to these underwater caves by himself, and he starts off just as he planned. Yeah. Now, over the year, James, what he noticed is that he knew an, at least an estimated amount of time that it would require for him to get there, and he knew that he had just enough air to get there so that he could change his air to cartridge, cartridge once he has got there. Well, he dives. He begins his descent. And he goes, and he's making his way there. Everything seems to be going fine, but after a little while, he starts to feel as though it's taking a little bit longer than he had anticipated, that he had trained for. He gets lower and lower and deeper and deeper, and pretty soon, he starts looking at the gauge, letting him know how much air he has remaining in his tank. And after a little bit of time... He starts to get a little panicky because he's starting to think that perhaps I won't make it. Maybe I won't have enough air, and if I don't, I won't survive. He goes a little bit further, and he can't make it. He sees, he's determined in his mind that he can't make it, so he determines, well, if I can't make it to the cave, then while I've got a little bit of time left, I've at least got to try to make my way back to where I began. And so he determines then to turn around and to go back to where he began. But what happened is after he started swimming back after a little bit of time, he soon determines that I don't have enough air even to make it back. So yet I've got to turn around once more. Turn around once more, trying to make it to his final destination. Well, my brothers and sisters, long story short, he didn't survive. He passed away right there in that lake, never making it to his hopeful destination. A few days later, they sent rescue divers to recover his body. And um, they found him exactly where he was, where he had ended. And when they returned him to land, his wife and son was there and they asked him, well, where'd you find him? And they reported just a few short feet from his final destination. Had he just kept going, he would have made it to where he hopefully was trying to go. Just a few feet further. I wonder how many of you are here today. How many of you are watching virtually have had dreams die. Plans failed because you didn't continue. Because you didn't go. Further, just, just one more step. Right, right, right. Just one more semester. Just, just one more call. Just one more day. One more, just, just a little bit further. I wonder how many of us didn't make it because we quit. Right, right. How many of us come up so close and quit because you've lost sight of your final destination? Yeah. Here's one of the things that I've learned over my lifetime, and that's this. The issue with people and you know, the issue with humanity is never a problem with beginning things, starting out. We're real good at starting. We wrestle with finishing things. Oh, we, we struggle with completing things. I, I ain't got to know you. I ain't got to know your business. I ain't even got to come to your house. I'm about to get in your business right now when I ain't never even been inside your front door. I can tell you what you got going on in your house. I can guarantee You, you got some home projects that you've yet to complete. Yeah, I can bet and I can guarantee that you've got some exercise equipment that's become furniture or an additional closet. I can tell you, I can tell you, I ain't even gotta walk through your door, I ain't even gotta see all your business. I can tell you that you've got plans that you've never written down. I I can tell you that you've got debt Because you never completed the plan to work your way out of it. Listen, I I ain't got to know you all that well. We ain't got to sit down and have coffee. I just know that humanity has that issue that we don't know how to finish. Well, we know how to start. Oh, in just a few short months, man, January one is going to roll around. And man, the YMCA is going to waive their joint fees. Planet Fitness is going to be giving away donuts and free memberships all at the same time. And we're all going to join it and get there. Man, we're going to have plans. We're going to start off with a Daniel Fast. You're going to drop and feel a little bit good about yourself. And after the 10 days, if you make it past two days, you're going to find yourself repeating the same old behavior. Because we do real good at starting things. But for some reason, we struggle finishing things. Most of us, if we were to venture through the doors of our neighbors' lives, of our hearts, we'll see that what we've done ultimately is begin things. And oftentimes what we're doing is we're living our future days trying to funnel through, our tunnel through the mess that we left because we didn't finish a thing. Finish a thing. We've got, we got dreams, George. They're not deferred. They are... Disinterested. Got Bible reading plans. We ain't making it through day two. We've got hopes to join Elder Joanne Brown for prayer at 6 a.m. But if she only started at 6.30, I'd make it. We, we, we start well, but we don't necessarily finish well. I bring this up because when God begins to speak to the people, now that they've restarted the work here in Haggai chapter 2, I believe that God saw this in advance, and so he's speaking to what he already sees. Listen to what he says in our passage today. God addresses it in verse 3. He says this, Who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? Now, what I want you to understand is this. It's only been a month since they restarted the work. It's not been a long time. I know last week we talked about since the opposition arose against them that it had been 15 years. This time it ain't been, it's barely been 15 days. It's it's been it's been just short of a month and yet God has to speak some words to encourage them and he sends this message to the prophet to discuss the process of the project that they're working. He asked this rhetorical question. God posed this question to ask him, listen, who of who, who you have left that saw it before? Now understand that this is rhetorical. God already knows the answer because God knows everything. But I want you to know what God is doing. If you remember the first week of this series, we talked about how in Ezra chapter 3, they had built and completed the foundation of the temple. And you remember, there were two groups of people who were there outside of the temple or at the foundation of the temple. There were those who were worshiping and rejoicing to God because the temple foundation had been completed. But then there were those who were weeping before the Lord because they remember the temple and its former glory. So when God is asking the question in Haggai chapter 2, he already knows what happened in Ezra chapter 3, that there were those who were there previously, and so God rhetorically is responding to the attitude that he sees there. He's asking this question for a moment because God knows that there are some who are struggling with what's happening right now. That because they have not made the progress that they hope that they can make, they feel as though they have been dejected. They feel like they have come to a a place where God cannot help them with their progress. It's slow and disheartening and they're trying to figure out how to make their way through. Yet, God is speaking to them right at the beginning as they are starting this new season. He's trying to help them find their way through so that they don't get stuck there. So that they don't remember why they began the work in the first place. That's us oftentimes. As we are trying to figure out our ways through this this new normal, through this new season of life, God God recognizes the same story within you that he recognizes with his own people. That in order for you to make it through, you've got to be able to see your way through. You've got to see your way through. Now, I understand when we're talking about see your way through. We're not talking about sight, we're talking about vision. And there's a difference between sight and vision. Yeah, man, there's a lot of people who can see, but very few people have vision. Because vision, you have the ability to work your way through even when obstacles are presented to you. But but sight is limited. When sight sees barriers, sight gives up because it can't see what's next. Vision does not care about what's next. Vision remembers the reason why. And the first starting point, my brothers and sisters, to getting started and trying to develop a new normal, trying to figure out this new rhythm of life, is figuring out why you get up and why you wake up in the first place each and every day. And in case you do not know why you get up each and every day, you get up because the Lord says so. (laughs) I wish it was a little bit deeper for you. But listen, my, my gift is not to be deep. It's to try to be clear. God has called you to wake up each and every day. You've got to get up and you've got to figure out how to trust in the Lord, how to lean on Him, how to depend on Him, how to listen to Him so that you can figure out how to bring some semblance of normality to the chaos that's presented ahead of you. And if you keep the Lord on your side, if you listen to His voice, if you spend some time in silence and in prayer, God will help you to see your way through. There's a difference, my brothers and sisters, between vision and and sight, vision and sight, vision and sight. So listen, it's, it's my hope today not to be before you too long. I, I looked at something. Let me let you know something. Uh, for those of you all who have smartphones and you, you want to listen to what we do weekly, uh, we have podcasts. You can look us up on any of your podcasting apps. And, uh, and I saw the length of my sermons and I repented. So I'm going to try to move through this a little bit more so we can get out of here today. In order to see your way through, the first thing that you need to see is, are, is to have is you got to have, number one, the right perspective. Somebody say the right perspective got to have the right perspective. I had to ask myself the question, Bishop, why is it that God intervenes and asks this question of the people now that they've begun the work? And what I thought about is that perhaps right there in the midst of the work, there were complaints. Or maybe God just shared with Haggai the happenings of the hearts of whatever it is that God saw that the people needed almost like an attitude adjustment in their perspective. Because when God asks the question, does it seem to you like nothing? It is rhetorical, but it's meant to force them to think about just how far they've come. God didn't need an answer. What God was hoping they do is reflect, is to remember about how far that he's brought them to the point where they are as where they are right now. God wanted them to recognize that he's already delivered them after 70 years are out of 70 years of oppression. God wanted them to remember that he provided for them when he allowed them to return to the land of Judah to begin the work. God wanted them to remember that he's already provided resources when they did not have none so that they could build something substantial, a foundation for the temple. God needed them to reflect on what had already happened so that they wouldn't give up right where they are. And my brothers and sisters, at times, that's what we've got to do. Before you can make it any further, further, you've got to recognize that God has already done some things and what he needs you to do before you get discouraged, before you get disheartened, before you give up or give in to temptation or to defeat, you've got to remember that where you are today, you did not happen there by yourself, that the Lord brought you where you are. God needed them to appreciate where they've come. That there's no way that they could do it without him. And I need you to know, man, we touched on this last week, that regardless of what you have or how far you've come, you didn't do it by yourself. We didn't do it by ourselves, man. We are here only because the Lord says so. I've got breath in my body because the Lord says so. Activity in my limbs because the Lord says so. I've got a right mindset because the Lord says so. Remember where the Lord brought you from. And what you will find yourself doing is rather than sitting in a heap of dis- spare, you'll find yourself to live in encouragement because you'll recognize the Lord is on your side. Amen. The moment that we're in right now may not be looking like what it hoped, like what we hoped, but if you pause for a moment and remember where you once were, man, you'll be exceedingly joyful about what God is doing right now. Yeah, man, okay, man, I got a couple of witnesses today, man. Perhaps some of you all ain't never come out of nothing, man. I know, man, maybe some of y'all woke up like this. I don't, I don't know what's going on, man, but I think I got just a handful of witnesses today who will let you know, man, the Lord brought me far. <laughs> the Lord sat up high, and he saw my knees, and rather than leading me to my own devices, God saw me, and not only did he see me, he came for me. Gotta have the right perspective, right perspective. We know this to be true, James, because not only does he address this in Haggai chapter 2, if you flip over a couple of pages of Zechariah chapter 4, the prophet Zechariah, he speaks in it on Zechariah 4 and 10. Listen to what he says. He says, who despises the day of small things? That's a, another rhetorical question. What Zechariah is pointing out to the people in conjunction with Haggai is basically this. Who gets upset about what God has done already? How far God has brought them? I I know it may seem small to you, but you got to recognize no matter how small it is, man, the Lord is working. I know we are not yet out of this pandemic, but the Lord has brought us 16, 17 months this far. I know that there are people still underemployed and unemployed, but the Lord is still providing and making a way. God is still doing some things. God is still working. God is still true, and he's brought us this far. Don't give up yet. Don't despise what he's done this far. Beloved, this is a challenge not just for them, but for you and me as well. The proper perspective can carry us a long way. Sometimes the best thing you can do is pause and remember. Pause and remember. We see this all through the Bible. Pause and remember. You can go to the New Testament. You'll you'll see James say, count it all joy. My brothers and sisters, that when you meet trials of various kinds, pause and consider joy. Find joy in it that no matter what you're dealing with, more the God is with you. Or, or, or you can see the psalmist David, right? He'll say, bless the Lord, O my soul. And what? And forget not his benefits. Listen, David is saying, listen, I'm going to bless the Lord, and I'm going to remember each and everything that he's done for me. Oh, okay, okay, maybe y'all remember the song. Uh, it used to say, tell us like this, uh, 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 count your blessings. <laughs> and name them What? One by one, remember what the Lord is. Your perspective is key. Sometimes all you got to do, my brothers and sisters, is pause and reflect. The devil's going to shoot some discouraging words. Pause and reflect. Money's going to get low again. Pause and reflect. People are going to turn their backs on you. It's okay. Pause and reflect. They're going to say some hateful things. Pause and reflect. It's going to get worse, but don't worry about it. Pause and reflect because the Lord our God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Pause and reflect. This is essential because the first place your vision sees is your future. And the role that you play. Before you can see where you're going, you first have to see who you are. Because who you are is connected to where God is leading you. And oftentimes what the enemy wants to do is tear down who you are. Because if he tears down who you are, he can eliminate the path that God has for you. When he speaks those discouraging words, he's trying to tear down who you are. Because he don't want you to make it to where God is taking you. The, the Bible tells us this clearly. He says that, and you can see it in Psalm 23, that as a man or a woman thinketh, so are they. What you think is who you are. And oftentimes the biggest barrier that we find in our lives, find ourselves missing, is this moment. Because we suffer at times from what the old preacher used to say, Stinking thinking. Stinking thinking. Yeah, can, can I get a couple of witnesses today who who'll be honest with somebody in here? That Yeah, sometimes, man, you, you battle, you struggle with stinking thinking. Listen, I, I, I don't know about you, man. I want to talk to the real people real quick. I figure if I get naked, you'll take your clothes off too. Listen, stinking thinking. Sometimes, man, I don't know about you, but I sit in the mirror at times, and I wonder, how do those thoughts come out of my mind? How, how do those thoughts come out? What, what was I thinking about? Why, why would I say that? Why would I do that? How could I, how could I think that way? Stinking thinking, man, it, it, it impacts all of us. It impacts all of us. Sometimes I don't like my own thoughts. Sometimes I just ask the Lord to renew my mind, God, because I don't want to think this way. God, I want to love better. I want to, I want to look at things better. I want to have a proper perspective, God, because I want to make sure that nothing prevents me or prohibits me from making it to where you are calling me. So, so sometimes, man, when I'm having or suffering from those stinking thinking, let me let you know something literally that I do. This isn't something that I'm telling you. I've heard people to do I'm going to tell you what I do when I'm struggling with stinking thinking. I look in the mirror, and I remind myself who I am. Oh, I talk to myself. I, I sit myself down like a child, and I, and I speak to myself, and I remind myself who I am. I let myself know that, Jamel, you are a child of God. Because sometimes I think and I act like I'm not one. And so when I do, sometimes I got to remind myself that I come from something. I come from somebody, that there's more in me, that there's more working in me that I'm allowing to come out of me at this moment. So I sit myself down and I say, you are a child of God, baby. Now, act like it. Sometimes, sometimes, man, life gets rough and I make mistakes. And even though I preach, I still sin. And so I got to speak to the Lord. And I got to speak to myself and remind myself that there is therefore for no condemnation for those who are in the Lord Jesus. I gotta remind myself because sin gets a hold of me and, and, and it gets working deep down on the inside of me and the devil wants me to feel like I do not belong to God and I gotta remind myself that I am not condemned. Oh, man, sometimes, sometimes I got to make it clear, brothers and sisters, when people are speaking all types of things against me and when they're talking crazy about me on social media, when friends turn their backs on me and family members get to acting crazy, I got to remind myself that I was created in the image of God. (laughs) And when you don't like me, you don't like the God who created me. I got to sit myself down and remind myself that I was shaped and formed in his image. And when the Lord made it, he said two things. It's good. Yeah. 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 You got to have the right perspective. Got to have the right perspective. The second thing is this, you got to have the right personnel. Say the right personnel. One thing that will always be true is this number of ways, man, that they've taught us this philosophically, that you are the sum total of those who are around you. Uh, If you want to show me your future, show me your friend group. Yeah, the people who are around you make all the difference. Uh, I I was told this. uh, I handpicked my friends because at a young age, my aunt told me that uh, in order for you to come up, you got to make sure that you don't hang with low-down people say that one more time because some of y'all missing it sometimes I speak a little too quickly in order to rise up you can not hang with low down people and she recognized that I had potential but she saw that there wasn't always potential in my friend group and so she looked at me and she said some of those things I just mentioned she said this is who you are but as long as you're with them you'll never be able to subscribe to that you'll never be able to rise to that occasion the personnel on your team the people around you they matter all the more yeah, where, where do you see it in the text? You think I'm just making it up. It's real clear. It's real clear. That's two places, in fact, that we'll see. One of them is, is, is very apparent, but the other one's kind of hidden. If you read the text, you'll see that one of the first things that he does, the question that he asks, he asks it to those who were there and saw the temple's previous glory. Now, one has to ask the question, God, why did you address those who were there previously at this moment? God, why didn't you address everybody? Here's what I believe. God had to address those who were there because perhaps their poisonous thinking or negative thinking was poisoning the entire group. So if the group's going to move together towards the purposes of God, God had to deal with those who could stop the purpose of the movement of the entire group. There was the wrong personnel, the wrong type of people, the wrong type of thinking in the greater group. So God had to address the poison in the group to cleanse it out so everybody could move further. And sometimes what you've got to do is you've got to look around and see if there's dead weight holding you back. Uh, listen, I, I'm a Christian, man. I promise you I love Jesus and I love his church. I ain't one of those people who say, man, I love God, but I don't really like people. I love people and all that, but also understand that everybody ain't supposed to be in your immediate circle. Some people, some people, you treat them where they are. Some people, you create a box for them and you say, you can go there but no further. Oh, my Angelo said it like this, when somebody shows you who they are, Believe them, believe them. Yeah, that's who you are. Yeah, yeah. I see you a hater, so I'm going to leave you. I'm going to believe you that you're a hater. That don't mean that I have to quit you or diss you or hate you or dislike you. I just ain't letting you all up in here. You, I'm not going to make myself vulnerable to you. I ain't telling you all my business. I ain't calling you if I need somebody to pray for me. I know what you're about, and I'm going to leave you in that box and not allow you to have influence over my life. Yeah. Yeah, man, there's people there, man. You got to have the right personnel. Um, There's an old African proverb uh, about the king and his optimistic friend. Love this story. Tells the story of this great king who had a childhood friend, and they went hunting together all the time since they were kids. They grew up. And I love to hunt together. His optimistic friend, no matter what went on, Dickie Mitchell, he had the the, the same answer for everything. No matter what happened, good or bad, his response was, it's good. Something good happened, it's good. Something bad happened, it's good. Well, they're out one day, man, and they're hunting, and um, something happens, an accident, and the king shoots off his thumb. And uh, he hollers out, and he looks at his friend, and his friend says, it's good. And the king is furious, and he says, what do you mean it's good? I just shot off my thumb. And he says, no, it's good. The king got upset. They headed back, and he immediately told his guards, lock him up, because there's seriously something wrong with him if he thinks that this is good. Well, a little while goes on, he bandages up his finger, he loves to hunt, he takes another guy out there, and they start hunting again. Only this time, they find themselves um, surrounded by a cannibal tribe, and the tribe surrounded them and immediately seized the first guy, killed him, and put him on a stake to prepare to have him for dinner. Well, they had wrapped up the king and was about to do the same thing, only when they looked down and they saw his thumb, they let him go. The reason why is that they believed in their superstition that there was something wrong with someone that would mean bad luck for the tribe if they ate anything with a deformity. So they let the king go. The king's headed back to the castle, all the while, all he can remember is his friend said, it's good. <laughs> he goes to his friend, and he is weeping and apologetic for locking his friend up. And he says to his friend, I'm so sorry, man. I, I should have listened to you, man. He tells him the story, and just like always, Deacon Mitch's friend says, it's good. The <laughs> He says, wait a minute, no, it's not good. Because I locked you up unjustly for no reason. And his friend said this, Well, if I had been with you and not the other guy, they would have ate me and let you go. So regardless of the guilt that you feel right now, I just want you to know, It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bring that point up to you because in life, you've got to have the right people on your team speaking the right things, even the things that you don't necessarily want to hear. Sometimes they got to tell you things that's going to hurt you. Sometimes things are going to hurt your feelings. It's going to rub you the wrong way. But at the end of the day, you'll know more than anything else. It's good. Yeah. It's good. It's good. It's good. That's one person. That's one person. Uh, the other person in the text, the right personnel that you got to have is really clear, and, uh, and that's God. Yeah, that's God. L- listen, listen to what it says in verses four through five. But now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Jazadakh, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. Why? For I'm with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. You've got to have the Lord on your side. You've got to have God on your side. Even if you don't have the right type of friend, man, as long as you got God, man, matter of fact, you used to say it like this, man, one plus God equals a majority. Greater is he that is within me than he that is within the world. You've got to have God on your side. In fact, God God makes a promise that he'll be there. If you remember last week, God made a promise to them. He says that when he encouraged them to get back to work, he says, I I will be with you, simply. And this time, he repeats it yet with a different tone. Last week when he said, I am with you, it was specifically about his presence. This time when he's saying, for I am with you. In light of what they're going through and experiencing and what God sees, he's letting them know not only will my presence be with you, but my power will be with you as well. Okay, yeah, listen, listen. No, black folk don't know when to shout, man. Y'all, y'all be missing it, man. It's it's right in the text. It's right in the text. Let me read it again for you. He says, be now strong Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong Joshua, the high priest. Be strong all you people, declares the Lord, and we're fine with you, declares the Lord Almighty. It's right there, I promise you. It is right there. There's power and presence right there the Lord is speaking and saying that he's going to be with you. You remember, man, the tone is really reminiscent of God speaking to Joshua after Moses died. When did De- and see his way forward. The Lord speaks to Moses three times in Joshua chapter 1 and he says to him, be strong and what? And courageous. Why? Because I am with you. Yeah. Alright, we're still not there. We're still not there. Come on, let's work it. Let's work it. He says be strong for I am with you. But also he says these things. Says who? The Lord Almighty. 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 Okay. Alright. Alright. Here's, here's, here's what you need to know. Um, I, I chose the New International Version for a reason, this translation, but if you read like the ESV or the NRSV, it'll say something different than the Lord Almighty, it'll say the Lord of hosts, <sighs> and there's that's, that's a little difference between, we know God is almighty, but the Lord of hosts says something subtly different, Whenever you see the Lord Almighty, it can be translated as the Lord of hosts. And literally, this is what it means. It is saying that the Lord is the one who fights and commands heaven's armies. So when he's speaking to the people here who have been disheartened and let down and can't see their way through, he's saying, listen, you be strong Not because you're going to fight. God is saying, have courage, raise up, because I, the Lord, will fight for you. Not only will I fight for you, I'm going to call down heaven's angels and fight on your behalf. What God is saying is, I will fight your battles for you. Oh, he's the Lord of hosts. (laughs) You You see it all through Scripture. If you remember, I just mentioned Joshua. And if you remember, after God gave him the commission to move forward, you look a bit further, you find Joshua about to have the greatest battle to date outside of this fortified city by the name of Jericho. As he's preparing to take on Jericho, Joshua's in the desert, and in the desert, he encounters an angel, check out his name, the commander of the armies of the Lord, (laughs) the Lord of hosts. And Joshua sees this. The Lord of hosts tells him, I don't need you to lift a finger. The only thing I want you to do is to march around the city, not say a word. And the Lord brought the walls down all by himself. Okay, that's not enough. Okay, um, David, David, David. David's a young boy, not even old enough to be in the army of Israel. And his daddy, Jesse, sends him to the battlefield just to take some supplies and food for his brothers. David ain't even supposed to be on the battlefield. But he hears this giant by the name of Goliath out there bad-mouthing God. And when everybody else was cowering against him, David says these words. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine, check this out, who's talking crazy about The Lord of hosts. What David does is David sees his giant. And he don't care about how great the giant is. David knows the angel of the Lord, the Lord of hosts. And when everybody else gave up, David went to the battlefield with one sling and five smooth stones and talked to the giant like the giant was a midget. Because he recognized that I ain't got to fight, but the Lord's going to fight for me. And my brothers and sisters, as you encounter your giants, I know that it seems like it's too much for you to bear. I know that you think it's too heavy for you to carry, but baby, you ain't got to carry it on your own. Place it at the feet of the Lord of hosts, and the Lord will fight for you. All right, we got to go, we got to go, we got to go. The Lord of hosts is with you. Yeah. He's the Lord who, who fights the battles for you, commands angels for you. You think that you're by yourself. You think that you've got to handle it all by yourself, baby. Even when friends turn their back on you, the Lord is all by your side. That's why you all not hang your head when you go out. That's why y'all not give up. That's why you walk up confidently. That's why you work at it for the Lord is with you. All right, all right. David says it again. He says, Lift up your head, all oh, you gates. And be you lifted up, ye everlasting doors. Why? For the king of glory shall come in. And then David asked the question, who is this king of glory? And listen to the translation. It's the Lord of hosts. The Lord will fight for you. He'll fight your battles for you. The Lord will see you through. When the world gives up on you, the Lord will see you through. All right, we got to go. We got to go. Listen, if you're going to see your way through, you got to have the right perspective. You got have the right personnel. Then lastly, you got to have the right promise. The right promise. Listen to what happened in the verses 6 through 9. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth. The sea and the dry land, I will shake all the nations, and what is desired by all nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty, the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine. And the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. There's a whole lot there, and we ain't got a whole lot of time to unpack it. But let me just share with you just some things that really are highlighted here. What Haggai now is doing, he's not looking at the immediate future. He's looking way off. And he's letting them know, listen, don't be discouraged by what you see right now. For God's starting a work with you that you won't even see the greatness of it to come. Oh, man. See, we've got to be excited about legacy. About what we're building, not for ourselves, but for generations to come. Yeah. I mentioned my grandson. He's, he's six months old. And even this morning, I, I sat him on my, nap, on, on my lap, and I got to speak to that six-month-old, letting him know who he's going to be when he's 60 years old. I'm, I'm speaking to him because what I'm trying to create today is something that he'll be able to live on, and his children will be able to live on, and their children will be on. A legacy that will hold on when God's speaking to the people there, to all the people of the land. He said to have courage, don't be fearful because... The is building something right now. Yeah. Here's where we get discouraged. Because we focus too much on right now. Yeah. yeah. Listen, I ain't worried about right now because I know right now won't be always. I know the trouble don't last always. I know that greater is coming. I know that what's to come is better than what's been. All those promises I receive and claim on a daily basis. So I don't get troubled about right now because now won't well, last always. Things have to change. Have to change. How God's encouraging them to see them. And he's talking about a couple of things. If you do your biblical history one of the things that you'll see is that they thought that Solomon's temple was great. Well in the time of Jesus Herod's temple dwarfed Solomon's temple. He's telling them listen what God is building through you man you ain't seen Sights of how glorious it's going to be. I, I know that you're working your fingers to the bone right now. But what God is building through you, man, you, you ain't seen how wonderful and magnificent it's going to be. You Listen, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard what the Lord is doing. God is building something through you. Something that you should be proud of. Something that you are building for generations to come. Bishop, when I was reading this, I thought about you. And and I thought about, man, the fact that you've built something that I was able to easily walk through. And for the last almost nine months, I felt the greatest time in ministry of my life. Because of the legacy that you've built. Because you're building something that... Who I am today, you spoke to 30 years ago. And I'm still trying to be that to this day. You, you built something, and I'm so happy to be a part of it. I, I thought about this, man. When, when my daughter was young, um, she, 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 she started out playing soccer. And uh, I, I'll tell everybody, I never wanted her to be an athlete. I raised a nerd, and, and, and I'm happy about the nerd that I got. I wanted her to be a nerd it, intentionally. That's, that's what, that was my goal. But when she started playing soccer because she was so used to me speaking positive affirmations to her that whenever she did something good she looked over to me to see what my face looked like. If she scored goal, she'd stop and she'd look at me and she'd steal the ball she'd steal it but she'd stop and she'd look over at me and basically what she was doing with her eyes was asking the question Daddy did I do good? Whenever she did something good she paused Daddy, Daddy, did I do good? Because she's responding to the legacy that I'm building on the inside of her. She wants to know, Daddy, did I do good? And now to this day, she's 17. as a senior in high school. I pick her up from school every day, and she's telling me all the good things that she did every day. But basically, she's still asking me those questions. Daddy, did I do good? Yeah. Yeah. Every day I wake up, and if it's through prayer... If it's through preparation, if it's through coming here and and working hard and trying to complete the task, essentially, Bishop, what I'm doing is looking and asking, Dad, did I do good? I I want you to know that that, that I'm trying to do good. I'm I'm trying to respond to the legacy that you've created and that you've built, that you've sacrificed so much of your life. Dad, dad, did I do good? This is what God is speaking to the people right now. He wants them to know that, that you're doing good. That what you're doing, what you're building is gonna benefit generations to come. And they're looking to the Lord, and the Lord is like, yeah, babies, you're doing good. You're responding well, you're 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 seeing your way through. You're doing good. But not only this, I gotta go, I gotta go. Was it only about Herod's temple? Because remember, this ain't really about structures, this isn't about buildings. It's about relationships. So it wasn't so much about Herod's temple as it was about the one who would minister in Herod's temple. Yeah, a man by the name of Jesus. So when Haggai is speaking, and he's talking about he's going to shake the heavens, the earth, and the seas, well, there's only one who shook up the world. I know Ali said it in six three, but there's only one who shook up the world, and his name is Jesus Christ. Haggai is letting them know what you're building right now is going to save generations to come. It's going to be a part of the play of the greatest story that would share Jesus with the entire world. It's going to shake up the foundations of the world. So what Haggai is encouraging them to do then is this. Don't use your eyes to see where you are right now. Use what I'm giving you as instruments to see your way through. All right, that's that's what I'm talking about. Y'all made me work hard. I told you I'm trying to go. Um, All right, all right. Last thing, last thing. I promise, George, I promise. Last thing. Um, I I was on a flight uh, coming out of New York, out of LaGuardia Airport a couple of years ago. And... um, there was a storm system uh, coming from, um, from uh, the Gulf, and it impacted not New York, but us making it here. And so we sat on the tarmac for two hours, not, not, not in the airport, on the plane, and sat there for two hours. And, uh, and tired, ready to come home. It, it, was, it was a red eye, so it's like, it's like six in the morning. It's really early, Uh, I've been away, I'm trying to get home, but we sat on the tarmac for two hours. Finally, the pilot comes up and he says, all right, ladies and gentlemen, we're gonna prepare to take off. Now, because of the system in front of us, we're gonna reroute and get you home to a different destination. And so, um, we're gonna get you there. Uh, It's gonna take a little bit longer, but we're going to get there in plenty of time. Sorry for the delay. We take off, and uh, all of a sudden, as we are in the air, the pilot comes over again and says, uh, Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're approaching a storm. Uh, it may get a little rough, but I want you to know, it's okay. We're, we're going we're to go to a higher altitude so that we can make it through. And uh, I was so impressed. And so happy to get home that when we landed and we got here to, to now Muhammad Ali Airport, I, I, I got off and he was standing there smiling. And I said, man, you're you the bomb.com, man. I, I really appreciate you, man, for working as hard as you do it. Man, using all your training and techniques to get us home. You know, I'm trying to get home to my family. Man, thank you so much. And uh, he, says, uh, he says, well, listen. He said, I, I didn't do nothing but use the equipment, the tools that I've got at my disposal. And uh, I said, well, you know, you didn't have a map to tell you how to go around the storm? He says, no, I, mean, I just used my, my, my equipment. I said, well, how would you rise above the storm? He says, I, I just used my equipment. He says, everything I needed is in my equipment. I just leaned on it rather than trusting in myself. Check out what happened. There was an obstacle in front of us getting home. There was a system there created that would stop us from getting here. And rather than worried about the system, he used the equipment that he had in hand to go around it. He didn't have to go that way. He just simply went around it. And when a storm came our way, rather than trying to fight his way through the storm, he simply leaned to depend on the equipment that he had at his disposal. And rather than fighting and struggling with the storm, he simply rose above it. And when we landed safely here at SDF, at Muhammad Ali, he didn't give glory to himself for being able to operate the equipment. He simply looked back and said, man, I just thank my equipment. Because had it not been for my equipment, I don't know where we'd be. My brothers and sisters, I ain't talking about a plane. I ain't talking about getting home. I'm talking about our lives, and I'm talking about this new normal that God is calling us to. There are systems working against you. The Bible tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and wickedness in high places. There are systems working against us. But you know what? Baby, you ain't got to go through it. The Lord will help you to go around and see you through. And when storms come your way, And when problems come to hinder your travel, your distance, baby, you ain't got to fight your way through. The Lord will give you strength to rise above it. You are bigger than that. You are bigger than them. You are stronger than that. The Lord will help you make your way through. And the only thing that God asks is rather than you looking at yourself, patting yourself on the back, saying, man, I'm so glad, man, that I can read my equipment. I'm so glad. Man, that I've been doing this long enough. I'm so glad that I got on to pilot school. I- I'm so glad, man, that I got on the right uniform today. Rather than doing all that, the only thing the Lord asks is that you simply stick your hands in the air, of Brown, and proclaim this. Thanks be to God for the equipment. For the word of the Lord, the tools that I got in my hand. Oh, man, the tools is right here. The word of the Lord is a lamp unto your feet. It is a light unto your pathway. The grass may wither and the flowers may fail, but the word of the Lord will last forever. You got everything that you need here. If you need hope, if you need a new direction, if you need a new perspective to find the right personnel, it's all in the word you got all the tools you need all the equipment you need it's right here it's right here right in the word of the Lord see your way through see your way through don't use your sight baby use vision ask the Lord to give you a hope for your preferred future and when doors close God help you get around it when storms come yeah yeah storms and and haters and bad attitudes, people who are spouting lies against you and people who want what's bad for you, the Lord will help you to rise above (laughs) it. When things get tight, God will help you to rise above it. When you're supposed to give up, the Lord will help you to rise above it. The Lord will help you to see your way through. See your way through. And God will help you to make it through. When you come through, you'll find yourself. Just like those three boys Bishop preached on a few weeks ago. You'll come through it smelling as though you never been near the smoke. See your way through. Come on, stand all over this room.